inspiration. I can do anything. Education. Let's do this. And application. Oh boy, this is going to be good. Welcome to Like It Matters Radio. Keeping us out of the water hazard with some truth therapy and teeing up solutions for today's big issues. Here's your life caddy, Mr. Scott V. Black. So welcome to the world of Mr. Black. Welcome to my world. I am Mr. Black. You are you, and the time is now for Like It Matters Radio. And today on Like It Matters Radio, we're talking about going from sorrow to amazing grace. And we will have actually an author, a retired police officer, uh, sharing his book, which is titled From Sorrow to Amazing Grace. You know, it was Florence Shin that said our thoughts, deeds, and words return to us sooner or later with astounding accuracy. The Bible says that the Word of God never returns void. It always accomplishes its purpose. And so one of the things about this radio show, I like to get you on purpose and have you consider, it's about thinking deeply. You know, why are you here? What's your purpose? If today was your last day on this planet, did it matter one bit that you were given the gift of life? What are you willing to change your life for? And what are you willing to change your life to? Those are what we call existential questions. It reminds me of a story. A boy and his dad were at church, and they somehow got separated. The dad was looking for his son, and he eventually found him standing before a picture hanging on the wall. The father approached the boy from behind and stood behind the boy, gazing at the painting. It was a painting of people in the water, a a vessel carrying many people had capsized. You can actually see the vessel in the distance. And there in the forefront, you can see there are many people in the water, and there was one lifeboat that had a single man inside the boat leaning over the boat, sticking his hand out to another person in the water. And there was a person in the water, leaning his hand up to the man in the boat, their hands almost touching. The father stood behind his son for a moment in just silence, looking at the picture, the two of them. And his father finally spoke to the boy and asked him, son, what are you doing? His son responded with a simple question, daddy, Is that man wanting to save those people? Or is he just shaking hands with them? And I'm going to tell you right now, that that's a question that each and every one of us needs to ask ourselves. Are we wanting to save people? Or are we just shaking hands with people? See, many of us, our goal in life is to save people. I believe as a child of God that I'm on a rescue mission. The reason I do what I do is because I have a lot of pain. I've been helping people for 30 years overcome PTSD, overcome the emotional trauma of life, trauma, drama, abuse, molestation, rape. I mean, man's inhumanity, man, is well documented. But it is through my pain that at some point God posed a question to me. And he asked me this. He said, hey, Black. He said, if all the pain you've ever been through can be used so that you can help thousands, maybe tens of thousands of others who are in that same pain, would it be worth it? 
And it took me years to answer that question, yes. But I'm going to tell you, when I finally answered yes to that divine question, everything changed. See, I realized my goal is to save people, to save their lives so they can have a reason for being that shows in their daily activity, to save their marriages, to wake them up to the hurting love in their life to save them from the coming to the end of their life and wondering, did it matter one bit that I was given the gift of life, that I occupied this body at this time? And see, we're warriors. We're fighting the good fight. You know, if you're, if you're married, you got to fight for the innocence of your wedding bed. If you're a parent, you got to fight for the innocence of your child. If you're in business, you got to fight for market share. If you live in America you got to fight for the right to even read your Bible and to say the name of Jesus without hitting your thumb with a hammer. See, as warriors, it's time to get off of ourselves. Rule number one about being a leader is not about you. Get off yourself, leader. And as warriors, we need to be less interested in who likes us and how many friends we have on Facebook and start living our lives in truth and value. Because warriors, if we're not willing to speak the truth to a lying and dying world, then we're just shaking hands with them. As they exist, they survive and get through this thing called life. If we're going to truly live our lives like it matters, it's time to quit shaking hands with dying people. It's time to quit shaking hands with bitter, broken, hurting people and start pulling some people back into life. And today we're going to be blessed because we're going to hear from a man who spent 30 years in law enforcement, wanted to be that positive difference. Who, so as a kid, was moved by the shows that he saw about police officers doing good. And man, he was on that journey. But then life started taking over. A partner of his was killed on the job right in front of him, saw him bleed out. Went through a divorce. Two young daughters questioning why he got in this field at all. And getting darker and darker and darker. Best friend becoming alcohol. See, ladies and gentlemen, we all have a job. Some of us, our job is to stay home, take care of our family. Some of us have a job to edu- learn, learn and go to school. Some of us have a job to find a job. Some of us are on the radio. Some of us put on, a, on the blue uniform. But one thing I learned a long time ago is I don't care what uniform you put on to go to work. The person underneath the uniform is the same as the other person underneath the nurse's smock or the other person underneath the teacher's shirt or the other person beneath the Starbucks shirt. We live in a world that wants to divide us and define us. That separation politics where basically we're parsed off, separated out, and we're, we're basically played against each other. That's what's going on in America today. What do you think the whole race thing is? We take something that's not real. There's one race. But what we do is we separate off by any differences we can find. Skin color, who you share your bed with, what bathroom you use. Stop we it. segregate and separate out. 
Yeah, so we could be pitted against each other by the enemy that of all humankind. And today, the great story that you're going to hear is here's a man that all of us can uh, uh, understand because we've all been in sorrow. We've all been felt abandoned. We all wondered if it mattered. He went from that low point, and I learned this a long time ago, with a proper frame, with God as your frame, low points can be grow points. Low points can be grow points, but only if they're framed properly. See, ladies and gentlemen, we can't control what happens to us, but we can control what happens in us. And so today you're going to be very blessed because we've got a gentleman who's become a friend of mine who knows what it's like to see death, who knows what it's like to cause pain, to deal with other people's pain, to know what it's like to screw up and wind up on the inside of the bars when for 30 years he worked on the outside of the bars. And he got to such a low point that God finally met with him and asked him the question, are you done doing it your way? Are you ready to do it my way? And that's why the book's called From Sorrow to Amazing Grace. It's not called From Sorrow to Sorrow because leaders bring hope. So I'm Mr. Black. After the break, we'll have our guests. We'll be right back. What can you do in 48 hours that changes your life? Like It Matters Leadership Awakening. Listen to this 22-year law enforcement veteran with PTSD compare Leadership Awakening to other training he's received. You focus on the individual. I think you kind of answered the why question, whereas a lot of the other programs that are out there, I don't want to say they put a Band-Aid on it, but they don't do a very good job of going into the why. And, you know, why am I doing this? Why is my brain uh, revert back to the images? You know, why do I get depressed? And like you said, right, it's a choice. 48 hours. Give Mr. Black and Leadership Awakening just 48 hours and it will change the course of your life. Go to likeitmatters.net and click on Schedule for Leadership Awakening near you. That's likeitmatters.net. Just click on Schedule. Leadership Awakening, where 48 hours will change your life. Today, on Like It Matters Radio, you are more blessed than normal. Yeah, you get the black man. You get me every day. You get John's great music and great drops. You get that every day. But what you don't get uh, on a regular basis is our next guest. And I am so uh, pleased to have known him. I think it's a divine appointment. Uh, God has brought us together, we thought, for this radio show. But I'm thinking this is just the opening segment. That's all it is. And so we are so blessed uh, to have uh, Keith Notek with us. Uh, Keith is an award-winning author, veteran, speaker, trainer, retired California police commander, and sheriff sergeant. His 30-year career in law enforcement and experiences with post-traumatic stress inspired him to write a book about his career before, during, and after police work, and how those experiences brought him to the brink of self-destruction. The key to success is prevention, he says. His mission is in post-retirement is to speak to members on public, of public safety who may suffer in silence about how they can bounce back and live a more fulfilling and vibrant life using the four pillars of resistance. And so with that, I want to welcome Keith to Like It Matters Radio. How you doing, my friend? 
Good morning, my friend. It's still morning here, so I can say that. I am well, Yes, though. you can. Yes, you can. I love, <laughs> uh, you are well. It is well with my soul, right? It is well. Amen. So uh, 30 years, 30-year career in law enforcement. Uh, just fascinating. You know, Keith, I always like to, to, to go to the whys. You know, uh, one of my uh, disciplines is called logotherapy. And, you know, we, you and I talked about this. The first time we talked on the phone, I gave yeah. you a quote. I said, between the stimulus and the response, there's a space. And in that space is your power and your freedom. And you said, hey, that's Dr. Victor Frankel. Hey, that's man's search for meaning. And I go, yep, that is absolutely <laughs> correct. Uh, and, uh, you know, we all want we're, we like to will to meaning. You know, we want to know why. You know, when a little kid's little, they go, why, Daddy? Why did they do that, Daddy? Why did they do that? Why? Because by the time a child is six years old, a majority of their map of reality is in place. We, we look to make meaning out of things. And so as young kids, we make meaning. So what were the things as a young child uh, that moved you, you think, to at some point say, you know what? Uh, I want to be a law enforcement officer. What do you think drove you to that vocation? Well, you know, if uh, if we're being honest here, and I'd like to be, uh, it, amen. <laughs> what drove me? What drove me uh, to that decision was watching old episodes of, you know, old cop shows on TV, like Adam Twelve, The Rookies, <laughs> you know, all yeah. those, uh, you know, seventies era uh, shows and late sixty era shows. Um, you know, I thought that I wanted to be a pastor. Um, my father, uh, my late father, was a, a Lutheran pastor for many decades. And, you know, so I grew up in the church watching Dad get ready for Sunday service and practice his sermons and and, and, and all of that. And I thought, you know, I want to follow in my father's footsteps, but that's that's not how it went. Um you know, I was I was influenced, I think, by just the the excitement that I saw on these TV shows. Um, you know, the the adrenaline. I was an adrenaline junkie as yeah. a little kid. So, you know, anyone who tries to tell you that uh, you know the media and television doesn't influence people, especially at a young a young age, you know, they're talking out of the side of their mouths. Yeah, they, they have no concept what they're talking about. We are like sponges. Uh, I teach this. We're like sponges. And when you squeeze a sponge, the only thing that can come out of you, what's in you? Uh, and, yep. and our unconscious brain, which runs the whole show, we only use 3 to 5% of our brain consciously. And so it is our unconscious brain that runs actually our day-to-day operations. And the key about change is you must understand the rules of the unconscious brain. And one thing I learned about the unconscious brain years ago in my study was your unconscious brain does not differentiate between Hollywood and reality. So when you have a picture in your unconscious brain, it doesn't say, well, that's real or that's from Adam 12 or that's mm-hmm. real or that's from a dream. It treats every single picture as if as it is, as it was, as if it's true, as if is the key phrase. We act as if I always tell mm-hmm. people we want to be a great parent. Act as if you are. If you want to be a child of God, act as if you are, because that's how your unconscious brain works. It treats every single picture. As true. Uh, And I think it was a year ago, the Irish uh, Scientific Journal, I think it was called, came out with a report that said 40% of all memories are made up. 40%. It's fascinating. And, and, is. and you know how our mind works. I mean, yeah, think about this. As a cop, how many times did an eyewitness get it wrong? Oh, <laughs> I yeah. Mean, think about yeah. that, right? 
Yeah. Yeah. Lots of time. I watch enough cop shows too. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> So, so when did you begin your journey in law enforcement? How old were you? What was your first foray into the field of police work? Well, actually, it was as a as a teenager. Uh, I I heard about the Police Explorer program. Some people call them Explorer Scouts uh, because the Explorer program is part of you know Boy Scouts of America, and you know mm-hmm. individual law enforcement agencies um, sponsor those programs within their own departments. So I happened to grow up in, in the city of Huntington Beach in, in Southern California, Orange County. They had a police explore program for youth. And at the age of 16, I, I went into that program. Uh, I began to go on ride-alongs and uh, learn all of these, uh, you know, different facets and components of law enforcement, uh, like report writing. Um, believe it or not, there was a class on, you know, how do firearms work? You know, the firing pin hits the, the primer. Mm. In the primer, there's an explosion. Oh, wow. And then, and then you know, it, it reacts with the powder inside the casing and oh, expels wow. the, you know, stuff like that. And it was just yeah. fascinating. I learned about, you know, fingerprinting and, and um, crime scene investigation and things like that but but what really um i thought was the the cat's meow if you will was was the ride along part riding along with a police officer oh, yeah. on patrol in a in a marked yeah. black and white police car and um you know uh i was involved in a couple of pursuits were you, you hooked know? oh i was hooked were you hooked that hooked I you didn't hooked. it yeah oh yeah yeah that i would think it. it would hook me too yeah it would yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want to do that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, that's awesome. That just, yeah, that solidified it for me. Uh, I was like, yeah, this is this oh, is so my cool. life's calling. This is what I want to do. So let me ask you an honest question: mm-hmm. At what point in your journey did you ask yourself, "What the heck was I thinking"? You know, um, probably. Well. In 1997, that was probably the first time that I, you know, I had a moment of pause and uh, thought, you know, do I really want to go on in in this profession? Um, I had, in 97, I had almost 12 years on the job as a sworn peace officer, and uh, I was involved in a, uh, I had an officer-involved shooting, um, uh, me and uh one of my deputies, I was a sergeant, uh, and, and a fairly new sergeant at that. I had about six months, um, you know, in my new position uh, after being promoted, and uh, I was still learning, you know, how to be a, a field supervisor and all of that. Well, um, my deputy, Randy Jennings, and I were uh, in a foot pursuit of a domestic violence suspect, and uh, of all of all the places to be, um, on this dark night on May 21st, 1997, we were in a church parking lot. That's where the foot chase began. Oh, wow. Um, the the suspect started running into this field that was located behind the church. Um, there was tall vegetation, like uh, 
dried grass, you know, dead grass. It was May, and and it was during the warmer months, so everything was kind of dried out. Um, And then there was a tree in the middle of the field. It happened to be an olive tree, the symbol of peace, right, Um, biblically speaking. Well, uh, the suspect runs behind this tree, and uh turns out he was armed we had we had some preliminary information that he was armed and and then other information came in that was kind of sketchy that said he wasn't armed so we didn't really know if he was or wasn't well by the time he got to the tree and turned on us and started firing at us uh you know there was our answer right there um yeah yeah. Uh, unfortunately and sadly, uh, my friend was hit. Um, he went down. Um, I dropped because the guy was still shooting at me. I dropped and I rolled uh, because I knew if if I engaged him where I was, you know, he he knew my exact position. But if I rolled a few feet and popped up like five feet away, you know, I would have the advantage. Um, you know, when I tried to take the guy out. Um, anyway, long story short, uh, Randy passed away, my deputy. Um, the suspect was killed, not not by me. Randy actually was able to get some rounds off uh, when he was mm. on the ground bleeding out because uh, uh, mm. the, he and the suspect were only uh, 10 feet apart from each other, and I was probably about another... Uh, Forty feet behind Randy, so. Oh, hey, I, let's I, let's hold it right there, Keith. We're getting yeah. ready to go a hard break. I want to okay. pick this up because I think this is the beginning of the next part of our interview because this was the beginning of what turned out to be a lot of downward spiral uh, into exactly. some sorrow. So today, on Like It Matters Radio, we're talking with Keith Notek, author of the great book From Sorrow to Amazing Grace, and we'll be back in a few minutes. We are all in the construction business, constructing memories, relationships, new ideas, and a legacy that will outlive us. Life is best imagined as a construction project. Hey, can we get that backhoe over here? At Like It Matters, we craft tools and teach you how to use them. Mr. Black has a bevy of tools to help you build your life into your dream. One of those tools is individual life counseling. The best analogy is a life caddy, because sometimes you just need another set of eyes. A second tool, books by Mr. Black, always opening up your mind. Third, workshops, where we teach people how they work and how to function at a higher level. And don't forget the radio show, Like It Matters. Nice job, that's it for today, wrap it up. Contact Mr. Black at mr.black at likeitmatters.net. Building a better you today, likeitmatters.net. Helping people live their lives like they matter. That's mr.black at likeitmatters.net. Discover the tools to build your relationships, your vision, and your life. We're talking about From Sorrow to Amazing Grace. It's a journey that many of uh, us have taken. Uh, What's unique about today's show is we're with a a decorated law enforcement officer, a award-winning author, a veteran, a speaker, a trainer, uh, a good man, a a man who walks with God, and a man who knows what it's like to be in deep sorrow and knows what it's like to be saved with some amazing grace. And so let's welcome back uh, to Like It Matters Radio, Keith Notek. Keith, again, thank you so much for your time. Oh, thank you. It's a pleasure being, being with you. 
So before the break, we were talking about your partner. It was May 1997, and uh, uh, your partner was shot and killed, and uh, uh, it was the beginning, it sounds like, of a downward spiral for you. Why don't you finish any thoughts you have about when you lost uh, Randy Jennings, who sounded like a great man, a good partner, so we want to pay tribute to his family and to the legacy that he creates uh, and did. I mean, great man. I know a lot of cops that put their life on the line, uh, and very few ever are willing to do that. So I'm sure he was a great man. So finish up with those thoughts, and then tell me how that kind of began this downward spiral that I read about in your book. So yeah. tell us about the end. How did it wrap up there with Randy? Absolutely. So Randy, Randy's killed. The suspect's killed. I'm the only one of the three of us that ran into the, the field that, that came out alive. So, you know, we've, we've heard the term survivor's guilt. Uh, well, yeah. survivor's guilt is a very real thing. Uh, I experienced mm. that to the, you know, umpteenth degree. Uh, you know, I, I was new in my position as a supervisor. I felt that I had a, an obligation to, you know, kind of like a papa bear to <laughs> protect my troops. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, the, mm-hmm. the people that I worked with and, and to give them the resources that they need to do their jobs effectively. Um, you know, uh, I'm the conduit to upper management. And, yep. you know, here, one of my guys gets, you know, he's essentially murdered in the line of duty. And uh, yeah. I felt, even though I wasn't the one that pulled the trigger, you know, uh, I felt somehow, you know, the, the mind is a powerful thing, and it does yep. some strange things. Yep. You know, somehow I felt responsible for Randy's death. You know, uh, I got to live. You know, I got to go home at the end of my shift, and, and he didn't. Uh, so wow. there was a lot of contemplation after the fact. Um, you know, I had uh, 11 or 12 years on the job at that time, and I was thinking to myself, man, this is this is horrible. Uh, you know, I mean, I had been shot at before on, on the job, and mm-hmm. uh, I, can't, I can't remember if it was 1988 or 89, um, but, uh, you know, it was kind of a nothing deal. Nobody was hit, nobody was hurt. But this this was huge. This was a, a major ordeal, and I thought, do I want to continue on in this career? Uh, you know, and at that time, I had two young daughters. I had a four year old oh, and a wow. one year old. Yeah, I was going oh, through wow. a divorce. Yeah, I was going through a divorce at the time too. So mm. um, it was not wow. a happy. Oh my not gosh! A, yeah, not a happy time in in my life. And you know, I was thinking, do I want to? You know, do I want to orphan my, well, not that they would be orphans, they still had their biological yeah. mother, but, you know, do yeah. I want my children to be fatherless? So, you know, there are mm. all these things to consider. Wow. I decided yeah. to, you know, stay with uh, my chosen profession. Uh, I felt it was my calling. Um, you know, I thought, well, I have 11 or 12 years into it. You know, if I keep going until I'm 50 years old, I can you know, retire and you know, have a pension and, and all of that stuff. Plus, you know, I, I there there was you know this stigma, especially. But it took a toll on you, right? It did. Yeah, there there was a stigma, especially you know in the mid 80s, going into the profession when I did. You know, there was this mentality like, yeah, you knew this is what you signed up for. Bad stuff is going to happen. Mm. Suck it, suck it yep. up. You know, a lot of the guys yep. that embrace uh, the suck. That, yep. Yeah, exactly. Embrace the suck. A lot of the guys that trained yep. me 
uh, early in my career were Vietnam vets. So those guys mm. had seen combat action in yep. Vietnam. These were the guys training me. They they had that mentality, you know. Hey, you know, uh, you know, stuff happens. Move move on. So in my mind, I was thinking, okay, I got to live. Randy didn't. So what kind of message is that going to send to my peers? You know, if if I quit, if I decide just to walk away, you know. Uh, but it, it oh, kept he, going downhill from there, though, correct? It, it went downhill. You had a lot of more stuff you know, happen. Yeah. You started self-medicating, yes? Started self-medicating, yeah. Um, you know, I was involved in, in several more shootings, saw a lot of death, a lot of trauma, a lot of horrific car wrecks, uh, murder, suicides, you know, dead children. Mm. Um, you know, uh. just a lot of really horrible, traumatic things. Um you know, and how did you cope? How did you self-medicate? I drank. I drank oh. alcohol. It's it's quick. Did, it's you, easy. did you always drink? Or, and did, were you always a drinker, and then it just got worse, or did, did you just start drinking? You, no, I I drank socially as as a young man. You know, in my twenties, you know, there were times when I took it to excess, but I didn't yeah, use it. I didn't use it as a so-called tool to to cope with. You know the the trauma that I was involved in, in experienced. Mm-hmm. Um, but the stigma at the time was, Hey, if you go to see the department psychologist, you know, the head shrinker, um, you know, mm-hmm. there's something wrong with you. You're a weak person, you know, uh, it, you know, in my mind, what was ingrained into me was, okay, if, if my supervisor is going to see a head shrinker, He's weak. He's a train wreck. Why would I want to follow uh, yep. this guy into a gunfight? Right? Yep. Um, so that Makes that sense. was the thought process. Yep. I don't I don't want to seek yep. counseling. I don't want to get on medication because there's a with that as well. You get on a you know yep. psych psych meds or whatever. You know you're you're crazy. So I went to the store. So you I, you yeah, know it's but... legal. It's easy. And it's quick. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, no, absolutely. And so that continued on without a doubt. I mean, I wish I had hours to do this because this is fascinating. I love your book, by the way. Love the book. Scan through it. Spent about an hour scanning through it. Just beautiful story. So you, you got into a deep state of sorrow. And at some point, it became so deep that something had to change because the title of the book is From Sorrow to Amazing Grace. So Indeed. what was it that shifted from sorrow to amazing grace what was that low point that low point that could be a grow point well we'll go we'll go to the low point um and and i'll just tell you uh two years ago almost uh actually next month it'll it'll be two years um i was in a car crash a dui car crash in the middle of nowhere in the nevada desert um i went to visit my daughters and um I had experienced post post retirement. A lot of my friends were dying. Um, my dad passed mm. away uh, six months after I lost my dad. My wife lost her dad. You know, there was just a lot of death, and wow. it started to weigh on me. And I was getting really depressed. Um, and you know, again, that that old friend alcohol. Uh, you know, it'll it'll take you it'll take your soul uh, if if you allow yep. it. And I started self-medicating 
and I got in the car, and I, mm. I drove. I crashed. I got locked up for DUI. Mm. And uh, when I got home from that whole experience, I, oh, wow. you know, obviously I was in a low state, but I, I went to bed, and it, it was the, the darndest thing. I, uh, and I know that, that you and I spoke about this before, and I, I, I can't That's tell good. you if, it was, if I was consciously awake or if it came to me in a mm-hmm. dream, but a, a being appeared in my, my room next to the bed, and it didn't say anything, but it was conveying to me peace. I wasn't frightened when I saw this thing. It was conveying peace, and I had this overwhelming feeling of uh, being in the presence of God. And I rolled over, and I went back to sleep. Yeah. And uh, when I woke up the next day, um, I was acutely aware of the presence of the Holy Spirit. It, it's, uh, it was like a little, still small voice in my mind telling me, Keith, you need to change. Oh, you need to change a lot of things. You know, you have character defects wow. that you need to change. You have habits that you need to change. Um, and I started typing on the computer. Uh, these things that oh, wow. were, yeah, and I got about five pages worth of stuff, and um, wow. yeah, that was that was the beginning of a, an amazing change in in my life at that point. Wow, to have God actually love you enough uh, to present Himself in some form or fashion. Uh, man, that, you know, that's just stunning to me that God's so involved in the minutiae of our life. And you had always been a Christian, so you be- you were a believer in God. But this was about now uh, having your life be about God. Is that fair to say? Or Oh, it's, it's absolutely fair. Uh, a, a good friend of mine told me that, you know, although I grew up in a Christian family and knew God, I didn't know God. You know, Amen. I... I kept the Holy Amen. Spirit locked in a closet. Up, as I say, up until now, up until yep. this moment, moment in time. So, well, it's a touching story, and uh, we're getting ready to go a hard break. I want to um, pick up on that because the amazing grace part, but it's absolutely changed your life, turned your life around. You wrote about it, and afterwards, I want to talk about uh, what you talk about because your mission in post-retirement is to speak to members of public safety who may suffer in silence about how they can bounce back and live a more fulfilling and vibrant life using the four pillars of resilience. And after the break, we want to talk to Keith about what are those four pillars of resilience. So I am Mr. Black. We'll be right back. This is Scott Black of Like It Matters. As many of you know, I have been helping people to be the best they were created to be. COVID-19 has accelerated changes that I have been considering for some time now. Many more people need to receive the benefits of Leadership Awakening. Mental health in our communities is a real issue. We recently received our 501c3 nonprofit status with the emphasis of creating and delivering, taking back your power and your freedom to the least among us struggling with mental health issues. Please help us help others. You can save a marriage, save a business, or a life by supporting Like It Matters with your tax-deductible gifts. All gifts are needed, large, small, and everything in between. Please consider becoming a monthly partner at likeitmatters.net. Give today at likeitmatters.net. 
lifeforgivers.net. And by the way, Like It Matters Leadership Awakening classes will continue. Check out the schedule at likeitmatters.net as we build our training for those suffering from the challenges of poor mental health. God bless you. Today, we're listening to a great story by retired police officer Keith Notek. The book is called From Sorrow to Amazing Grace. Let me read uh, what uh, one gentleman wrote about it, veteran police officer, chaplain, speaker, uh, Jonathan Hickory, who's also the author of Break Every Chain. He says this about the book. This is a story of a valiant police officer's journey through life. His career, personal reflection, and salvation from the darkness, from sorrow to amazing grace, will open your eyes to the reality, the excitement, and the hardships of a life dedicated to protecting and serving. Author Keith Notek blesses the reader through his powerful testimony and the grace by which he was saved from the darkness that so many men and women in law enforcement carry with them every single day. Just what a powerful statement. And so you had shared before the break, Keith, uh, about the basic what I call about two years ago, your coming to Jesus moment. Lying in bed uh, and this entity, if you will, uh, in, in room that brought total peace. So that was two years ago. So yeah. how is Keith's life different today than two years ago? Uh, in every way. <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I live for, uh, Jesus these days. Um, what's changed for me is that, uh, I know there is a God and I'm not him. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I'm, I am not the center of the yeah. universe anymore. Um, nope. and that, that's a, a huge wow. part of it. Um, it, you know, I was, I was selfish. I was prideful egocentric, you know, uh, you look at the, the seven deadly sins and I don't know, I was probably, you know, four or five out of the seven, uh, actively participating and, and all that has changed in my life. Um, wow. it's you had a yeah, real change. Amazing. Well, change. that's the difference. Yeah, amazing grace, because, you know, there's something I teach on, it's called the logical levels. Uh, There's six of them, the top level spirit, then below that's identity, below that's beliefs and values, below that's capabilities, below that is behavior, and then at the bottom is environment. And change takes place from the top down. Uh, And one thing about the logical levels is you can never deal with a problem at the same level it was created at. And so Einstein said that you can never solve a problem at the same level it was created at. And I never understood that until I saw the logical levels. And what happened, spirit's at the very top. And so when you have a real change in spirit, when you're born again, as Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again uh, Mm -hmm. of spirit because you're already born once of water. Uh, When you change, you have a real spiritual change, then your identity changes. And when your identity changes, then what you believe in and what you value changes. And when that changes, what you're capable of doing changes. And when that changes, what you do changes. And when that changes, where you hang out changes. And that's why it's absolutely real change. And it just touches my heart to hear someone speak that so clearly and so concisely. And, you know, as I was reading about your book, the very last part of your uh, obituary, uh, your bio, sorry about that. I didn't mean to put you in the ground too early, brother. Sorry about that. Your bio. Yeah, hey now, stop that. I'm not done yet, right? Uh, you You put your mission 
in post-retirement is to speak to members of public safety who may suffer in silence about how they can bounce back and live a more fulfilling and vibrant life using the four pillars of resilience. Now, I got to be honest with you. I never heard that phrase, the four pillars of resilience. So uh, if you don't mind, just take a few minutes, explain to our our listeners, what are the four pillars of resilience and how have they affected you? Sure. Uh, you know, I, I, I prefer to use the four pillars of resilience, uh, you know, and, and keep it simple. Uh, there are other models okay. where, you know, there's, there's, there are six pillars, there are seven pillars, even up to eight pillars. Mm-hmm. Um, but I focus on the, the key pillars uh, being menta, uh, mental, physical, social, and spiritual. Um, if you're not paying attention to those four areas of your life, you you tend to get out of balance. Um, if if everything's not syncing up together, you know it's going to manifest itself in your life uh, in adversely. So you know when we speak of the mental pillar uh, or the mental component of our life, you know we do things to to challenge our minds. I don't care if it's you know taking an art class at the community college or doing a crossword puzzle or or just something to challenge your mind. Um, when, when we pay attention to our mind, um, we also kind of cross over into the emotional, the emotional area, okay? Mental yep. and emotional. So when you're challenging the mind uh, in certain ways, you are fulfilling your emotional needs as well. Uh, you know, there's the physical aspect, right? Uh, we all know that working yep. out is good for us, right? Going to the gym, running, doing cardio, you know, light, doing some light weight training or whatever. You got to pay attention yep. to the the physical aspect of your life, um, and the social area as well. That's another one of the pillars. You know, we develop and 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 nurture meaningful relationships with people who build us up rather than than tear us down you know people who engage us Amen. in in a positive way and we cut those toxic relationships out of our lives you know we don't need them mm. and then the fourth pillar of course is the spiritual area uh, which I, I talk about a lot in in the book uh, you know when I was going through my my challenges and my hard times, I didn't pay attention to any of those those pillars, those four pillars. You know, the spiritual, you know, as I said earlier, I kept the Holy Spirit locked in a closet. You know, I grew up in the church. I used to see people uh, and hear people say, oh, the Holy Spirit told me, you know, whatever it would be. And yeah. I'd, think to, I'd think to myself, wow, these people seem genuinely happy. How come the, the Holy Spirit talks to them and doesn't talk to me, right? Uh, <laughs> you know, and then, you know, so when I was self-medicating with alcohol, I certainly wasn't focusing on my, my spiritual growth. Um, I isolated, so I didn't pay any attention to, uh, you know, socializing or developing meaningful relationships. You know, those friends that I, that I had, uh, you know, and still do. Thank God, I kind of put a, put them on the back burner. My family suffered from you know because of it. Um, yeah. I wasn't going to the gym, so I wasn't doing anything to stay physically active and healthy. And I certainly wasn't doing anything to challenge my my mind. Um, so mm. it, it was just a vicious cycle, wow. you know. The 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 drinking. Well, and, uh, yep. Go ahead. 
yeah, it exacerbated. No, I'm saying when 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 I hear all this, you mm-hmm. know, first thing I think of is like, oh my gosh, these four pillars of resilience. No wonder America's struggling. When you look at the pandemic, when you look at the COVID, what we've been put under, I'm looking at all four of these and like, oh, my gosh, we are creating a a powder keg in our future Mm -hmm. because this is what everybody's going through and struggling in these four areas. Right, right. Um, You know, your book has great timing, great timing. Yeah, and it wasn't intentional. You know, it just God knew I didn't. I never wanted to write Amen. a book, you know. I was—I used to be a very yep. private person. I, I certainly didn't want to air my dirty laundry or my deep, dark, dark secrets yep. in public. But I—I I find that, you know, being transparent it, it opens up a whole new world. Um, and yep. I, you know, um, through through the Lord, you know, it's all all of His work, not mine. I'm just the conduit. Amen. Yep, you know, I love that word, condo. You just passed through. How do how do people get the book? How do they get a hold of you? Because man, you may be a great speaking engagement. I'm sure you do all that. How do people get a hold of number one you and number two the book? So tell our, tell our listeners. Well, I'm on I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook. Uh, I have an author page on Facebook, so you can message me through LinkedIn or Facebook. Uh, the book is available at Amazon, Barnes and Noble. I think Walmart selling it online. Target was at one point. Pretty much anywhere uh, where books are sold, uh, and then you can get. Them and online. there's a movie I heard. Is there that is correct? a movie. Real quick, we're running out of time, but there's a movie coming out, right? Indeed. Yeah, yeah, we're in the early uh. phases right now. Uh, a production uh. company has uh, begun work on it already. Uh, the screenplay uh. is kind of going back and forth between the uh, producer slash writer and myself. And um, uh, once the so screenplay cool. is hammered out, uh, they expect to start shooting it in uh, midsummer sometime. Awesome. That's awesome. Well, we're at a hard break right there. So, uh, man, thank you so much for your time, Keith. You're a blessing, and I look forward to what God has for us. All right, my friend? Thank you, brother. God bless you. You've been listening to Like It Matters Radio with Scott Black, your source for inspiration, education, and application. Learn more and register for an upcoming class at likeitmatters.net. That's likeitmatters.net.